This is Beers and Buckets, a podcast for degenerates like us who drink beer and watch basketball. We are the only college basketball podcast that reviews beer and the only beer review podcast that talks college basketball. So grab a beer, throw on a game, and hang with us. Welcome in to another episode of Beers and Buckets, uh, the off-season edition. My name's Connor. As always, I'm joined by Dal. Dal, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing well, doing well. Um, just got finished watching the Miami Heat destroy the 76ers, which is always wonderful. Uh, yeah, doing pretty well. Yeah, I actually wasn't able to watch it, but I, you know, checked like watched the recap video and stuff, and it just wasn't even close. So you were you were too busy balling like the like the heat were tonight (laughs) we actually you know like not that i'm gonna sit here and tell you every stat that i had tonight but we won like we we kind of do if we have enough we'll do like one team stays on for two games win or lose no matter what and then uh and then they come off for a game because we typically have around 15 so it just works out that way we won the first three and then they switched up that second team that we played and so we have been the second time we played them and they, they switched up and got better players. And it was just like, Oh crap. And we lost that last one. That was frustrating. I was doing every, like I was doing my best Charles Barkley impression of just like feed me in the post. And I'm just going to try and hit a couple of mid range <laughs> jumpers because th- they were denying me on the three, but uh, yeah, it was fun tonight though. And then, you know, like on the way, you know, I'm leaving and my wife texted me, she had gone to the store to get some ingredients and then forgot that she, um, like forgot another ingredient for what we were supposed to have for dinner tonight. So she's like, I'm done. Can you just get something on the way? So then I went and waited in line at Wendy's and all that, but it's all good. Uh, so yeah, definitely didn't watch any of that game, but I'm watching the Mavs and Suns as we speak now. And that's, that's looking like a fun game right now. Uh, so let's do this beer review and get this out of the way. What do you think? Let's do it. Not that I ever want, never not want to drink beer because, you know, let me get True. beer, but. I don't want to sound like we're just getting it out of the way. We're just opening it up for the for the tip here. So, uh, what are you drinking tonight? I have so uh, it's Alltech Brewing, but it it is the like Kentucky the Kentucky Ale is like their big one. I don't know what the like exact. I think it might just be like the Kentucky Lexington Brewing. Oh company. yeah, the, yeah. Um, You've had a yeah, you've had a it, couple of those on there before, I think. Yes, they have a new tangerine cream ale, which I went to Phoenix with uh, now my ex girlfriend, uh, like probably four or five years ago, and found this creamsicle beer mm-hmm. that is like was like an orange creamsicle, like the orange and cream, and it seems kind of like a weird flavor to mix with beer, but it was like one of my favorite beers I've ever had. Uh, so I figure the tangerine cream would be something that would be similar. It, so it's a cream ale with natural flavors aged in oak bourbon barrels, uh, 5.5%. Um, but saw it at the at Liquor Barn uh, when I was actually getting prepared for the beer podcast that we do on like the last couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will try it now. It's a creamsicle. That's really good. Wow. I uh, we went to our our town does this thing called First Friday every obviously first Friday, and it's just kind of a bunch of vendors and food trucks and 
stuff like that. But um, it's in the middle of downtown, which there's uh, there's a couple of microbreweries down there. And so drinking like street beers are allowed, which is awesome. Um, so I went, we went Friday and I got a, I, there's this one brewery called Two Frogs. Uh, it's my favorite brewery around here. And it, they don't really like, they, they kind of keep everything local, which is cool, but it sucks because like everyone who listens to this isn't local. So next time you're in the Clearwater area, come to Two Frogs and I'll buy you a drink or something. But, uh, they had a, they had what they called the dream sickle and it was the same, you know, the citrus, uh, with the cream, you know, like that. It was really good. It doesn't seem like it would be a flavor that would go super well with beer. No, I agree, really but it tastes it tastes fantastic though. I I enjoyed it um, the other day. So, and even like not overly crushable. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Just because it's so sweet. Um. But. Uh, no, I I really like it. Um, I'm trying to think of if I was going to compare it to a college basketball thing. Um. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Spain pick and roll. So I mentioned the Dunker spot on the last uh, the last podcast yeah. as a, a podcast I really enjoy. Uh, Nikias Duncan, who is one of the the hosts, loves to talk about Spain pick and roll. It's his like favorite thing. Yeah, they always make fun of him for how much he enjoys it. But it's such a sweet play whenever it's run correctly. Uh, this beer is kind of sweet. I'm gonna go with that as my as my basketball comp. I dig it. Um, I have it is Hidden Springs Ale Works, which I've had a beer of theirs before. I can't remember which one it was, uh, but it's in collaboration with Tampa Bay Beer Week, so I guess a festival that they had down here in Tampa. Um, it's called the Upside Down, and it has. Which was weird. They have upside down pineapple, which, if you don't know, is the sign for uh, swingers. Which, but whatever. That's just like pineapples in general, right? No, they're supposed to be upside down. Pineapple. You would know. Pineapple. Yeah, I would know. No, um, pineapples <laughs> are uh, a sign for hospitality, and so if you have it flipped upside down, it's like you could be extra hospitable, I guess. Um, but it, it has a ego waffle that says eleven on it, and it has like stuff from stranger things and you know even more stuff so uh it has a dungeon uh dmd um dnd dice you know it's a 12 sided die or whatever it is and pb and j's and stuff so but it is yeah it is a pineapple upside down cake inspired sour ale with lactose and vanilla it's 5.5 percent and it has no ibus listed so here we hey, go. We're both at five point five percent. Yeah, I got mine. I bought this on Saturday. I think I bought like a four pack, and I've been anxious to try it. And I was like, no, nope, I'm going to save live reaction for the podcast. So I typically don't for you guys. I'm doing it for you tonight. Doing the so. Lord's work. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a sour, but it's not like a sour that you hate. <laughs> That's a weird. That's one way to put it. I mean, like, typically sours, you're just made like, uh, you know, but... I know what you mean. Yeah. I d- you don't really taste the lactose in it until the tail end, like the very last, like, the aftertaste, I guess. But it's not bad. Um, I mean, it's pineapple upside down, cake-inspired, and it's more pineapple-y than cake flavor, so... Not bad at all, but not great. Jeez. Um, 
now I got to figure out who I want to compare it to college basketball wise. Uh, it's tough because like the easy out is Indiana, right? Because Hawkins, Indiana, Indiana's just good, not great. You could do you could do Indiana State. Yeah, that's true. Not the Larry Bird Indiana State. The what Indiana State has best going for them or had best going for them were their jerseys, their uniforms. I love them. Like I want the the Larry Bird so, hoodie on from nineteen nine so bad. My birthday's I on Sunday, so I buy it for me. <laughs> I was gonna say uh we were talking earlier about I bought a pair of Texas Tech shorts and a pair of Iowa State shorts from nineteen nine, but I I wanted to buy the blue Indiana State like it's throwback so ones, cool. but they didn't have them in my size, so I the hoodie they have is just that. so cool. Like I would one thousand percent rock that thing. Um, but I also live in Florida, where you wear a hoodie maybe a month out of the year combined. So uh, not that makes not, me so sad. Yeah, and yeah. I as a I'm a fan of hoodies too. That's what sucks about it. I rarely wear it, and so I'd rarely buy them. Because uh, also, like, who decided that hoodies are supposed to be that expensive? Like what? What are we doing here? They're so expensive. Not even just yeah. nineteen nine brand. I'm just saying, like hoodies in general. Like yes. a good one's like fifty bucks, and you're just like, what the heck? Um. So yeah. All right. So we're done with the beer review. Uh, Indiana State. All right, you know what? Screw it. We're going. It's Indiana, buddy. Like it's classic okay. Hoosiers. Yeah. I don't know if we've compared it to the Hoosiers on here, but it's just mid enough to get you by. They're riding the coattails of Stranger Things, which is. Like we could just say the coattails of uh, Bobby, Bobby Knight, <laughs> yeah. Like I guess. Uh, oh, and, and you got Millie Bobby Brown, Bobby Knight. Like, yeah, yeah. You got to got to go with it. So, all right, let's. If if there was going to be like an actor to play me in whatever, my friends always say that it would be David Harbor. Yeah, uh, so I can see I that. Appreciate the Stranger Things. I can see that he'd have to lose some weight though. Hey yo. I appreciate that. Yeah. You're, you're like a slimmer version of him. Less alcoholic looking version of him. <laughs> not as totally drink, not alcoholic, but less podcast. alcoholic. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, mm-hmm. man. I love doing a beer podcast. Everyone thinks I'm an alky. They're not yeah, totally you know, wrong, but I'm a functional alcoholic, I guess. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, so I've been thinking about this question. Think about it for a while now. I just want your honest opinion. I think I know your answer, but this is something that I kind of like, I can't believe I haven't asked this in the, how many episodes have we done this? I haven't asked this question, but we've been talking more NBA lately. And I think this is a great, uh, great time to talk about, it. especially, I think I saved it for off season anyways, but a couple of years ago when I was a youth pastor, uh, I decided to like, you know, like I bought a PS4 or whatever for the, for the youth group and we had 2k and I would play kids, you know, in 2k and stuff like that and trash talk. It was all good. All good fun. One time we did, it was, I forget which 2k it was, but somebody picked the 2014, 2015 Cavaliers and me okay. as a magic fan, I picked one of the best teams in magic history which was the 94-95 Magic. So, you know, Shaq, Penny, uh, Scott. Um, Were you alive for that that team? Uh, the finals, what they play the finals in May, in June at that time. Uh, I was born May 15th. So, no, I was, okay. I was <laughs> born midway through the series. 
Uh, but <laughs> I picked that team, and I the first the first three quarters of that game was like neck and neck, and then like I don't know what happened, but Penny Hardaway just went off and destroyed them, and up end up winning that game by like twenty five when it was like tied at the start of the third or start of the fourth. So it was pretty wild, but I mean, that's also just could have been my 2k skills. The kid, you know, 2k cheese also is a very real thing where just like the, the game, like you'll just miss shots with doing nothing different. Um, so had me thinking about the real life matchup and a game between and a, those two teams. Yeah. And a series of seven between those two teams. Yeah, it's important to remember it's the fourteen fifteen Cavs, not the one that won the finals. Okay, because they up did there. make some tr- roster moves in that off season. If I'm so not I'm mistaken, pulling up their rosters. Uh, I, so I will say, it's kind of sad that we don't get to talk about the um, about the Magic teams that are the the times that I really care about the Magic. Uh, which is when Tracy McGrady was there. Yeah. I was the ball boy for the Magic for a day. Got to see them just get their absolute ass kicked by the <laughs> Pacers when the Pacers were at the height of their yeah. uh, their kind of run. Um, Reggie Miller yelled at me because a ball rolled over and uh, like rolled in front of him, and I, little like seven year old me, ran over and grabbed it, and he yelled at me. Uh, I'm just a kid. But, Literally, I was like, I'm just some dumb kid that got to be a ball boy for a day. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I did get to talk to Trace McGrady. He was out that day. I love me. Sh- shockingly, was hurt. Yeah. Uh, which he seemed to be for the majority of his career. But the that was the those were the teams or that team was when Keith Bogans was on the team, too. Mm-hmm. So I got to talk to him for. That's awesome. A being a Kentucky fan that I was. Um, okay, so I have these pulled up. This is Shaq's third year in the league, Penny's second year. If Horace Grant. Okay. And then we got Dennis Scott, <laughs> BJ Armstrong, Matthew Delavadova, Joe Harris. So this is the Kyrie. Kyrie's on this team. Kyrie's on this like team. You said it's not the team that won the finals. Yeah, and it's a different coach too. Keep that in mind. Not that it totally matters because I mean, like, it really. Yeah, I mean, was, Tyron. Lewis. Oh, this is the David Blatt. Year. Yeah. Which okay, hot take? Okay. I feel like David Blatt's a better coach, but that's just me. Is this is this when Doc Rivers was? I know this is Brian Hill. Yeah, Hill. They lost. Okay, this is the team that got swept by the Rockets for the Magic. Yep. Okay. Yep. Nick Anderson. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um. So, like, who were we throwing at Shaq on this Cavs team? Exactly. What they had Mozgov at the time. <laughs> That's the year they had Mozgov. Am I right? Uh. <laughs> Mozgov, Kendrick Perkins, <laughs> Tristan Thompson, Anderson Barishow are the are the big men. God, that's bad. Like no one, there's no one to stop there. Shaq. No one to stop Shaq at all. <clears throat> and really, like yeah. Kevin but, Love would 
Kevin Love would put a, a you know a decent play a decent game on Horace Grant, but he's not like Kevin Love wasn't gonna like put the clamps on him, you know. And you don't need Horace no. Grant to be just a complete monster like in this series, in my opinion. So, what are you gonna put Love on Shaq? Like then you have Horace Grant to the score, you know. It's like it's a lose lose situation for the front court. It is, but then. But then you have you remember that the greatest player of all time. named LeBron James <laughs> on the other team. However, they um, did go up against Matt or uh, Michael there, you know, to get to the finals. Um, but no, it was no, a it didn't. was a shell no, of Michael didn't. Jordan. No, they didn't. Yes, Michael they did. Jordan, Michael Jordan never lost. Michael Jordan is six and zero in his career. Those are the only six seasons that he ever played. And we don't count any of the other seasons that he obviously didn't play because he didn't win a final. He shouldn't have tried to come back for the finals for that year, to be honest. He should have just like, all right, whatever. I'll come back after, you know, like when the season's over and come back in the offseason, but whatever. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, so, so it's like, yeah, they have LeBron. And at that point, I think you just say, let LeBron do LeBron things like let him feast, whatever clamp literally everyone else down. Yeah. I, I so I think what kind of decides this for me is that Penny and Shaq were both still young and this, this Cavs team is, this is Kyrie's fourth year in the league. LeBron's 12th year, which is crazy to think about that his 12th year in the league was in 2014 and he's, he like almost led the league in points this year. Uh, God, he's good. Uh, And then this is, this is what the first year that they would have had Kevin Love. This is seventh year in the league. I think the veteran side of the Cavs here wins. I also just kind of like they're kind of tangential supporting cast better than this this magic team but that might just be i think that's just because yeah like i think that's just because you paid attention more because like nick anderson was was a legit bucket i mean other than those free throws that he choked in the finals he was a legit bucket uh dennis scott off the bench dennis scott yeah was brian shaw off the bench you know um 13 2 and 2 yeah, like they had they had some a, a good supporting cast. I mean, that was the best year for that squad to get to the finals, Dude. obviously. And they just happened to run 20, two and two. 29.3, assists, and 2.4 blocks is what Shaq averaged that year. He was a monster. Insane. And he was just. Can we talk for a, so we, can we talk for a second about how Rudy Gobert said that he would lock Shaq up? That's the worst like yeah sure he'll lock like cleveland shack up or like boston shack up he could lock up nba on tnt but any shack that actually went in his playing career even like even late shack at miami when they won the title is still giving rudy like all sorts of problems yeah ain't no way man ain't no way everyone just posted the the video of him like Absolutely bullying David Robinson and yeah. just slamming on his face, and it's like you're not stopping that, Rudy. Yeah, and David Robinson uh, was way better than Rudy Gobert, in my opinion. Uh, the right. Admiral, respect. 
Yeah, I don't I, like. I think this the series actually would go to seven, um, and it would just be kind of a flip of a coin. I think that's just like because you're not stopping LeBron. Like, there's no one on the Magic that can stop LeBron, and that's just a fact. But the same thing with so the, LeBron is probably the best player in the series pretty easily. But then you could make a case that the Magic have two and three with Shaq and Penny. Absolutely, because Penny that year, like. Penny that year was so, so good. And I think his length is going to bother Kyrie on the perimeter. He's 6'7", man. He's, like, big. Yeah, he was hu- He was a huge guard. It was, it was great. That's why, like, everyone was super high on that Magic team and then just had to go and the front office had to ruin it. But, um, yeah, Penny, Penny was really, like, he – I mean, obviously the style of play is totally different, too, because, like, I can't imagine – like that, that there's factors into it where it's just hard to compare because like the magic that's, weren't going to take an amount of threes that the Cavs were at that time, just because that wasn't, that's not the style that you played basketball, like as a whole, you know? So it's like, we don't know how truly great that magic shooting like would be in the, like today's NBA or even you know, 2014 NBA. I, do you want, do you want to guess how many uh, threes per game the, each of these teams took? Um, I mean, Cavs definitely like twenty plus. Um, Magic would probably be like what, like eleven, twenty-seven and a half threes per uh, three attempts per game. Essentially, ten makes per game yeah. in the Cavs. Uh, six point four makes on seventeen point two three point seventeen. So I kind of split that one, yeah. and that's that was that was seventh in the league in terms of attempts. Yeah, it's a totally different year. style of play. Also, like the defense was just more physical. I mean, like it just it was it was a more physical game in the nineties uh, versus like twenty fourteen. So you know, like it's always tough to see what that matchup would be. Like that's the biggest question mark is like, can Penny lock down Kyrie? If if Penny can lock down Kyrie. I think he obviously like obviously I think he can't because he's super athletic and super long, um, but Kyrie's also super shifty and like one of the best ball handlers we've ever seen ever. So it's tough. Um, but as far as scoring, I think Kyrie's not like the best scorer. Obviously, I don't think that's an unfair assessment. So Penny was a really good scorer. He could do it from all three levels too. So I don't know. I think Kentucky fans that listen to this podcast will probably be like, "Oh, Cavs," because they hate Penny. But you know. Let's just be honest here. Penny was really we good. We hate Penny as a coach, not as a player. I don't even hate him as a coach anymore. I, think, I just think he's no, like, he's I, a I shiny new him. toy, and and you know, like they everybody wanted to see him fail because he had like that same attitude that Cal had when he was at Memphis, and because he stole James Wiseman. Yeah, the way he did it was yeah questionable at best, but yeah, whatever. Also, his use. I'm gonna of go. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. Cavs in seven. So I'll go Magic mostly because seven. of mostly because of modernity though, like just the game having been evolved. Yeah, and that's why I'm not I'm not factoring that into it. It's like I think if it was, I think if it was played in '97 or '95, Magic win, obviously. And if it was played in 2014, 2015, whatever it was, then the Cavs win. It's like, but taking that out aside, you know, like they meet in the middle. I think I'm going to go magic on that one. Um, so it is what it is. That was that was a fun discussion. I thought I love 
asking questions like that, I'll come up with some other teams because that they're 20 years apart. So I'll be thinking of you know teams like that to talk about because that could be a really fun thing that we do. Um, so I like that. So we, for the listeners, we don't. There's like the transfer news is kind of dry now since the portal's technically closed. You can't enter it for the following season to play on the new team. And not many people have committed anywhere yet because I think a lot of players are waiting to see, you know, draft results or other transfers to see where they land. Um, you know, like there's a couple of commits that, is, that has happened that's been no- newsworthy. So like Fardaz Amik committed to Texas Tech. Um uh, what what's his, um, Adam Miller is down to what TCU and LSU, so he could be returning to LSU there. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people that aren't totally decided yet. So for t- for this week's episode, we wanted to talk about the upcoming draft because it's not too far away. It's less than a month, um, and we wanted to kind of give our predictions on what the lottery will look like. So. Dallas found a randomizer for the players, and we're kind of give our predictions pick by pick, starting with number. You want to start? You want to start with number fifteen? Yeah. So I'll first. Um, and and reveal our number ones. Let's just start with number one. We can go. Okay, that's fair. Because this, I'm not gonna lie. If this lottery happens, one, there are a bunch of people in Oklahoma City that will be very excited, (laughs) but. Uh, the like randomized version I did has all but the bottom two teams moving at least one spot, which is very unlikely. And are we just doing uh, the draft board? Or are we doing the teams? Obviously, it pl- matters like which teams they go. Let's to. Let's do. Let's do. Let's do teams. That's, okay. So I'll just say with the first overall pick, uh, the Oklahoma City. Thunder moved up three spots to take the number one pick. That would uh, that would definitely. So who make do we who do we like for them? Um, kind of looking at their team, Shea, Gilbert Alexander, and Josh Giddy are kind of the two main mainstays. You have Lugans Dort, Darius Baisley. They have a t- they have a ton of team options for this year. Got a boy Poku. Can can you tell me who like the second or third teams are? So yeah, yeah. yeah. So here, I'll I'll also just share my screen. Yeah, that would so help. You can you can see it. Um, sorry. The reason I asked I asked to see who has a, who has the second and third pick because my assumption for this, if OKC had the first pick, I think no matter what, they're going to take the best player available, right? But I think they want to get. I feel like they would want to get Paolo, and I think it would be – he's going to be available at pick three, right? So so what if I told you they also have pick three? <laughs> oh, my God. Then they get Jabari or Chet, like flip a coin, and then they get Paolo. But, dude, this tank is essentially ju- Yeah, just like who who would Indi- who do we think Indiana would pick? And let's... Can you resim that? Because there's no way they're getting the first and third pick. Or nope. first and we're doing pick. we're doing this one. That hurts my soul as a Magic fan. Ugh. Yeah, the Magic got kind of screwed on this one. Yeah, they did. They always get screwed. We had, it was a four-player draft last year. We had the fifth pick. <laughs> 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 we tanked for a fifth pick. Oh, hey, man. 
That fifth pick ended up being probably the second best for he that you took. So, yeah, I mean the second by the end of it, Suggs might have passed Wagner, but yeah, at first it was Wagner, but yeah, we'll see. I mean it's very early; it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, But I would have rather had Barnes or uh, Mobley or you know something like that. Um, I'm trying to zoom it in and make it bigger because it's not. Oh, here it is. Um, Okay, so with the first pick, I mean. Is it crazy to think that they'd probably go for Jabari over Chet? No. I feel like they have Poku, right? So, like, they have their unicorn. Jabari is also a unicorn, but I feel like he you can... Jabari is not a unicorn. Jabari is... Yeah. I think is of the... I guess he and Powell are both pretty... Um... Are both pretty. You could play Paolo and and Jabari next to each other. Oh, for sure, you could play so, all three of these guys. Yeah, um, I think they they have you know Poku where they. I just feel like Poku and Chet kind of play. You know, they have a similar style. Um, I think that's true, I, but I think that Jabari and Poku are would be more likely to overlap at the same position. That's true. It's just tough because they need. They need depth at every position. They need somebody at every position outside of Except Shea. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And like even Shea and Giddy are. Yeah. So it's like, it's tough. Uh, I, I'd still go Jabari over this. So like they get Jabari and then with that trade with the Clippers, they'll get Paulo with the third one and they win. Right, here, let's do this. You will obviously talk about it, but you can get the odds. You get final say on the odds. Yeah, I get final I like say it. on the evens. Yeah, I like it. Okay, so you're on Jabari one? Yep, Jabari one. I think I think because Presti is all about upside that he would probably go Chet with the first pick, but I'm down for Jabari. All right, that means with the second pick, the Indiana Pacers jumped three spots as well and are picking second. Their main pieces, Malcolm Brogdon. Well, all right, Tyrese Halliburton is their main guy. They have Chris Duarte that they drafted last year, Isaiah Jackson, Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald's bad, but um, they're kind of a complete team from a like one through three position. I'd. As much as I would love, ooh, I think they would seriously consider Jaden Ivey here to give their front court some athleticism or their back court some athleticism. But I think the ability to play Miles Turner and Chet next to each other, like that rim protection would be kind of too crazy to pass up. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go Chet at two, which means we have the Oklahoma City Thunder back on the clock, jumping nine spots so that the Clippers pick gives them I would third cry, pick. bro. Like, I would be so <laughs> mad if that happened. I'd be so mad. Um, Who we got here? I mean, I think they take Paolo. Um, I could also see them... So, like, they took... they. You know, let's say they take Jabari, right? I could also see them wanting to add some more depth at the point guard. Uh, the problem is the point guards in this draft is just kind of weak. 
uh, you know, like the first point guard on the. You on think Jaden Ivey's a shooting guard? I think so. I feel like yeah, he he's good with the ball in his hands, but I think his game is going to translate to the league as more of a shooting guard. Um, so I don't know. It's tough. Uh, they'll probably you know I'll just be safe here and say Paulo's going third. I know that's whatever, but I mean that's a hell of a front court. Oh my like god, in, yeah, like it's instant in upgrade. one draft. It's instant upgrade for for the Thunder. I don't think. I mean, I still think those three picks happen regardless of the teams that take them. Uh, just might Chet might go first over Jabari. You know, it just kind of depends on like whatever actual teams end up picking. I just can't see the the Thunder getting two top five picks in a draft. I just don't see it happening. But you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. So who are you thinking is gonna go with the fourth cool. pick? We'll go we'll go Paolo there. So we have Jabari, Chet Paolo, number fourth pick, uh jumping up six spots, the Washington Wizards have the fourth pick. They have Bradley Beal, Kristaps, Kyle Kuzma Ruby Hachimura, Denny Avdia. I mean, they have a ton of their front court super, super crowded. So I think they're definitely going guard. I think Jaden Ivey's a pretty clear, clear choice here. Um, he and Bradley Beal together would be one hell of a like scoring backcourt. Granted, I don't even know if Brad Beal will be there long term, but I think Jaden Ivey would be the pretty clear pick here. So. I was thinking about this. Do you think they could reach and go for Shaden Sharp? No, I mean, like, yeah, but just because I think they need I, someone to handle the ball, yeah, and I just think because I think they're in their mind. Like, what's Bradley's Beal, Bradley Beal's contract? It's got to be ending soon, right? Uh, I think he signed an extension, but. It's an extension that he could very easily just like they need to do right by the man force yeah force a trade so they need to do um, right by him and just move him to a contender for being honest but yeah uh because a lot of the comparisons to for Shane Sharp have been have been Bradley Beal it's like if we can't you know if we're gonna move on from him let's replace him with someone that has a very similar style of play right so. Uh, yeah, but I do think Jaden Ivey's probably the pick here. I don't think they reach for that. Unfortunately for Jaden Sharp, I don't think Houston will take him either. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean he's kind of duplicative. He's kind of redundant with uh, with Jalen Green, Green and Kevin Porter Jr. I don't think Kevin Porter Jr. I don't think you're making choices based on Kevin Porter Jr. being a long term piece. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like. Yes and no. Like, are you talking about style of play or just because of his background? I think his like off the court stuff kind of. I think he. I mean, he's kind of turned it around though, and, and I feel like he. It would. I'm not be... saying they should or shouldn't. Do yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I just think that's kind of the vibe that. So we're going with Jaden Ivey though at four, right? Yes, Jaden Ivey at four to the Wizards. So I also think with with how big Jaw has been over the last. I mean, it's really been like a year and yeah. change, but especially this year. Just, I think Jaden Ivey is the only player in this draft that has that kind of insane, explosive athleticism. Where I'm not saying that he will be Jaw in the league, but he could do similar things driving to the basket that Jaw does. Yeah, um, which I think people will be very, very excited about. Um, 
All right, with the fifth pick, the Houston Rockets moved back four spots. This is uh, tough because, like, I see a lot of Keegan Murray going with the fifth pick. But if it's the Rockets, I don't know if the Rockets will take him on that. I think I think uh, just because of how he plays, he's – I mean, he had a good year, obviously, like he did. Uh, there's no denying that, but they do have Christian Wood, and they definitely, you know, they have um, Bruno Fernando. He's not that like he could easily beat out anybody on this roster outside of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. Um, and Singun, I guess. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I don't remember. Singun. Singun. Um, but I think the the better pick for the Rockets here would be AJ Griffin, um, mainly because. Eric Gordon's getting old and they have a, they have Christian Wood already, which I think he's like Keegan Murray isn't going to contribute at the level that Christian Wood does for them. So I think AJ Griffin is the better pick here because he also has a lot of more upside considering like coach K didn't play him for like half the season. So, uh, such a strange decision. It was so weird. They would have been so much better just from the jump if you just played. I, know, I think he battled some injury stuff beginning of the season. I could be yeah, wrong. I think but, he wasn't healthy. But, like, still, as soon as conference play started, he should have started playing. I mean, he just didn't get a lot of minutes. Um, so, but I, I still think AJ Griffin's the pick here. Uh, so, I personally don't get the full hype with AJ Griffin in terms of him being like the fifth overall pick, sixth overall pick. Yeah. Which is what he will likely will be. But this draft is also kind of weird. So I don't really Such have a Such a weird better, draft. I don't really have a better option. Uh, I could see I, AJ I, Griffin contributing for the Rockets. Um, kind of like, and this is like a very light diet, you know, version of like Mikhail Bridges for the Suns. Um, except for obviously their style of play is different, but just that, that role, you know what I mean? Like, he, I think he would fill that role for them. Whereas, like, Keegan Murray, I think, wouldn't be able to do that. I don't know. I could be totally I was going to say, speaking of the next pick, which is the Orlando Magic, um, I was thinking, like, a kind of supercharged Terrence Ross yeah. kind of role yeah. where A.J. Griffin would be Love me some T. a Ross. Pretty, reasonable, pretty reasonable ask for him. Um, all right. With, I'm with glad you get pick, to make this pick because I'm going to The Orlando it. Magic um, come up. Give us a quick rundown of kind of like where they are roster-wise. I mean, they have an AAU team as an NBA team. But uh, the roster-wise, I mean, they have oodles amount of guards, but they don't have one guard that's just a standout. So I think they're just kind of – from what it seems like when I watch them is they, they do guard by committee where if somebody has a good night, they're just going to roll that dice and, like, you know, roll the hot hand there, right? But there's not somebody that's been consistent. They need somebody that – they need, a, they need a, a certified bucket, and they don't really have that. Uh, they have players that can get a bucket, but they don't have a certified bucket. So – that that's my issue with the magic and it can be totally off because like, I don't watch NBA that much, but I, when I do watch it, I watch the magic. So, um, I mean, I see why you don't watch the NBA often then. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's hard to watch. <laughs> also like just the blackout around here is just annoying and YouTube TV drop Valley sports. So I can't watch them a lot and they're never on national television. So if I have to watch it, yeah. I'd watch like a stream on uh, YouTube or something. 
Um, so yeah, what what do you think the magic take here? I'll so just my thoughts. I I think that the pick is Keegan Murray here, just because I don't think that it's kind of how I felt about. So this is a different sport, but how I thought about the Eagles draft this year. The Eagles traded for AJ Brown and. Everyone kind of was mocking them with either like Jameson Williams or some sort of young wide receiver. But I don't think adding a young wide receiver to their already young wide receiver core was the answer. So trading for a veteran like A.J. Brown was the move. And I don't see how you can look at this backcourt that clearly needs like fixing. But I don't think the answer is to throw another young guy in the mix so that you're just adding another guy to kind of a log jam. Yeah. sucks minutes like what you really need to be able to do is to give the guards that you have now the the rules around them to succeed and let them just kind of figure out if they're going to be good or not so i think keegan murray would be the pick he adds shooting you gives you a ton of front court versatility with chumo kiki franz wagner um wendell carter jr jonathan isaac if he ever decides to play basketball again like he just he gives you a ton of shooting versatility, uh, another weapon there. So I'd go Keegan Murray, I think. So I don't hate it. The problem I have with it is, uh, I just Jonathan Isaac is coming back after sitting. I mean, he hasn't played since twenty twenty, which is insane. Yeah, like he hasn't played the, since the bubble. Um, yeah. So I think they're really just putting all their eggs in that basket for power forward. Um, Mo Wagner also backs up Jonathan Isaac, uh, or will back up Jonathan Isaac, and they got Bull Bull uh, in a trade. So I think I think they're kind of hoping he's. Do a you unicorn. really want Mo Wagner to be playing? Well, no. Like ideally, you would you would get Bull Bull in a place where he would back up like Jonathan Isaac, you know. Um, and if they do that, if they take Keegan Murray, they're going to want to give him minutes, and but they're not going to give up. Isaac's minutes, so they would play him out of position and put him at the small forward. I don't love Keegan Murray in the small forward. It would be like, it would be like um, Aaron Gordon a small forward position, or I just don't. See, you think so? See, I I think I feel similarly to how like Franz Wagner was very much a four in college, yeah, and has turned into the three for the Magic, right? That's true. Yeah, I think that they're they'd be kind of similar there. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Franz Wagner has found his role, and it's never going to be, you know, he's never going to be the guy for the Magic. But he's a really like he's a hito like um, uh, Turkaloo that like the Magic had no nine. You know what I mean? Like he's he's in that role yep. essentially. And even though I hate the comp because just because they're European players, but that is very much so a thing um, for these two guys specifically. So, uh, so I, who would your pick be? That I think they that I think they would they would take um, Keegan Murray, but I think they would trade back for Ben Matherin and like a pick. Um, so Ben Matherin was actually the other person I was like considering. They don't, they wouldn't so take Shaden Sharp because he's too young and he has like no ga- game experience. And for them, like that's a little bit redundant. You could play Ben Matherin at the three if you needed to for you know yeah. for a couple you know like. We're not sure about Shaden Sharp in the NBA. We're not even sure about Shaden Sharp in college. So it's just hard to determine like where he would fit best. Um, but I, I think they, they would take Keegan Murray and then trade back um, to get Ben Matherin here. Uh, because at this point, 
it, like RJ Hampton's just not it. They probably find a way to move him uh, around in the league somewhere. And, you know, like Cole Anthony. Let's do Ben Matherin then. We'll do Ben Matherin. Okay, I dig it. It gives us the Detroit Pistons at seven. This is a tough pick. They have a ton of big men and then Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes. See, this is where I think Shaden Sharp falls, personally. Ooh. I think he goes here because they 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 hit the home run with Cade Cunningham last year, and they have Killian Hayes, like we talked about. All right, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm super in on that. Yeah, like God, I think that's such a disgusting backcourt. It would be so nasty, but I think like, can you imagine if Cade and Shaden? Oh my gosh, dude, that'd be so good. That'd be. So I might good. be a Pistons fan if that happens. <laughs> um, yeah, this is where Shaden right, goes. Portland Trailblazers at eight. And so this is where Keegan Murray, God, I think, would end up Their team is so bad. Their team also, looking at their depth chart on – I'm using Fanspell, which is my favorite uh, NBA like mock draft. They, they have three point guards on the thing. They have two shooting guards with a bunch of guys that uh, play small forward. They have three, six, seven small forwards listed, four power forwards, and no centers. So yeah. I wonder what their needs are. Um <laughs> I would love to be able to take Keegan Murray here, but I think with the need at center and the fact that this center class is super, super light. Yeah. Do you think they just go for Jalen Duran? I think you have to go Duran here. Plus, they need athleticism <laughs> more than anything on that front line. Um, it would not surprise me in the least if Keegan Murray fell this far, though. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, No, because I, I think after you go past... After or, Ivy, it's all up in the air, it seems like. Yeah. You get a Cole Strange 2.0 in this where the Pats pick Cole Strange, and everyone's like, wait, what? Yeah. The fact that there will be a lot of picks like that in this draft. But, all right. We have the Sacramento Kings at nine. They have Darren Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. They're two big big pieces. They have the arguably the best – Nickname in the NBA, an mm-hmm. off night for Davion Mitchell. That is such a sick nickname. They have Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes. I mean, this is where this is where Keegan Murray lands, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, I feel like that's the safest pick. If the, if he falls, you're still in- playing. You're you're playing him into the three here, probably with Sabonis playing. Probably, yeah. The majority of the four. Um, could is it but, is it out of the question? I don't watch a whole lot of Sabonis. Is it out of the question for him to slide to the five in a small ball lineup though? Like theoretically, it's not ideal. Yeah, but when you're the Kings, nothing you do is ideal. It's so. like it's like spaghetti. Like just throw it on the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. All right, yeah. cool. We'll we'll go Keegan Murray there. Yeah, I like Murray uh, there. Next, the Lakers pick transitions to the to the Pelicans. Um, so we have CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion, if he decides to be healthy and lay off the gumbo. Johnny Davis. Uh, Jack- Jackson Hayes. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, with with A.J. Griffin gone, they're clearly going to pick a Duke player if they can. Uh, but with him gone, I think they would consider either – Ty Ty or Dyson Daniels here being a third, probably the two best 
point guards, but mm, yeah. God, they have Herb Jones too. Herb Jones is so good. Uh, yeah, I'm down with Johnny Davis. Yeah, I feel like that's a safe spot for him there. Um, Got the Spurs up next. This they is have tough. Dante Murray, Lonnie Walker, Doug McDermott, Jakob Pertle, Josh Primo. They've invested a lot. They have Kelvin Johnson. They've invested a lot at the three. So I was thinking. God, they really need a big man. Yeah, they do. Like bad. Is this a is this like Jeremy Sohan? So I I was gonna say Tari Eason, because Tari Eason and DeJounte Murray are locking dudes up. If yeah. You have those two on the court, but I don't know if you can play Tari Eason at the four, and they really need someone that could kind of see this at is least. this is where I think it gets a little dicey because you don't like this is going to sound crazy. I think they go Walker Kessler. I mean, it's not out of the question. It's not like he's like a second round pick like Josh Primo was or projected to so be you're last Walker year. Walker Kessler over Mark Williams? I think so. I mean, like who Walker Kessler was way better than Mark Williams in my opinion last year, like this past season. I just think that Mark Williams has much more upside. He Yeah, I mean like I don't know. Does he though? Like, I feel like we see, we've seen all we can see out of Mark Williams and Walker Kessler and like both, you know, like Walker Kessler was clearly the better player. I don't know. That, Walker that's... Kessler just is more limited athletically. And I think Mark Williams has much more of an offensive game. Yeah. But like, I don't know. The Spurs don't also aren't like the poster child or poster team for <laughs> offensive, you know, like style of play, you know? So, I just I I think he fits well with what they have currently, um, and he's just a better rim, rim protector in my opinion. So I'll probably go. I, I mean, what's with eleventh? All right, so I have the final say, Walker Kessler. That's I'm going to take my stand on this one. Fair enough, <laughs> Walker Kessler. It is. Um, you got the Knicks of New York. I mean, they need a point guard. Dyson Daniels and Ty Ty are the two guys here. I think, God. They don't have Kenny Payne now, so the Kentucky. I'm going to go Dyson Daniels just to give them some size. I think people will like him a lot. He's a G League Ignite guy. Yeah. Like Ty Ty kind of hurt his stock a little bit towards the end of the year. Yeah, playing injured. Like, for sure. Not. I think that's kind of unwarranted, but we'll go Dyson Daniels there. Um, which leaves us with the Charlotte Hornets at 13. I think they go... They need a big man more than life itself. It's tough, though. So Tari Eason, probably. I like it. I I know uh, they I like need it. a big man, but I also think that they would, they would go with another shooter, another... Uh, shooting guard to compliment Lamelo. Like I think they're just playing so, the slow play, so it's like it's tough. I think I'd probably end up going with Tari Eason, but like I wouldn't be. It wouldn't be insane if they took uh, Malachi Branham either, or even Ojai Baji. To be honest with you, yeah, I, I feel like Ojai would be would be more their speed. Um, yeah, 
this in this simulation, they also have the 15th pick because they have a pick from New Orleans, so they would be able to add another. So that that would take a Tar Eason or you know, like yeah, I think I think Tar Eason is the pick. God, yeah. I love Tar Eason's game. <laughs> now um, I could see them right. taking Sochan, like in a in a scenario like that. Like let's say they wanted to go with you know to bolster. I don't know because it's like you have Miles Bridges and uh, PJ Washington, so like you could play. I don't know. They they probably still go shooting guard and then and center, you know, point power forward or whatever. But that could be a center too. It's tough. It's this is like I would hate to pick around there because it's just so. I tough. think Tari, I think in this case it would be either Tari Eason or Mark Williams for them. At, yeah, at that pick. Um, all right, last pick for the lottery is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have Darius Garland. Isaiah Mobley, or not Isaiah Mobley, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Isaac Okoro, Colin Sexton, if he's there, Karis LeVert. Um, they need some. I feel like they're looking for front, a backcourt piece. Yeah, or backcourt, you think? I, I mean, they like... have Laurie Markin and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. I feel like those are yeah, I three, of their top, yeah. three of their top. Three of their top big men. Plus, Kevin Love is was probably second in terms of six man of the year vote. See, I think they kind of go wing here, to be honest with you. I think backcourt, they're just like cementing. They're cemented to Sexlin, right? So, uh, like Sexland. Yeah. Um, I personally, I think they would probably go. It might be a stretch, but PBJ. Like, I think they would go. They, they, they like you said earlier, they hit a home run. Like the the Pistons hit a home run last year. They hit a home run with Mobley. They go with kind of a question or gamble on this one. They go they go with a, a kind of an unproven player. So like they could even get like Kendall Brown or. Uh, See, I think they go safer. I think they go Ochai Baji. He, Karis Levert wasn't really the Karis Levert of old. He has one year left on his deal. He, you're, they're a team that thinks they can compete. And I feel like that Oche Baji kind of slides in perfectly in that, that two, three. Oh, they also have Isaac like Okoro. Kind of I forgot about Okoro. I like Okoro. Me too. Yeah. Um, is this, this is my pick, right? I'm Evans. Yeah, yeah. What about like, Dark Horse here, EJ Liddell? You still think they go? He just, he just seems. I just don't know how long like, Kevin Love's going to be there. Like, I feel like he's either going to retire or they're going to trade him to a contender or something. I think I think if they were going to move him. They would have already have done it. Um, I think EJ Odell's just kind of his ceiling in the NBA is just kind of low. Yeah, no, I agree with compared that. to what you're doing. I'm going to go Oche Baji here. We've seen the best that we could see of EJ Liddell uh, this past season, so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That gives us that gives us our lottery. We got Jabari Smith at one to the Thunder, Chet two to the Pacers, Paolo to the Thunder as well to ruin Connor's night. We have Jaden Ivey at four, AJ Griffin at five to the Rockets, Connor's magic picking Benedict Matherin. Yes, sir. Shaden Sharp teaming up with Cade Cunningham with the Pistons. Jalen Duran helping out Dame. That that pick and roll uh, 
pick and pop is going to be scary with those two. Yeah. Uh, Keegan Murray to the Kings. That's probably too smart of a pick for the Kings. They would probably do something dumber. But we we roll. Uh, Johnny Davis to the Pelicans. Walker Kessler sneaking into the lottery here at 11 to the Spurs. Dyson Daniels, point guard to the Knicks. Tari Eason to the Hornets. And Oche Baji to the Cavs. Um, we'll, we'll send this out uh, on the Booze and Buckets uh, Twitter account so you can follow along because I know that just naming off people and teams is uh, uh, not the easiest thing to follow along with. So stand look out for that. Um, but, no, that was fun. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. This draft is going to be kind of wild too because, like you said, after four it kind of – Anything goes – Anything yeah. can go after four, in my opinion. I mean, like, I would not be surprised if Houston took Shaden Sharp in the in the slightest. I, I they could definitely do it. Orlando could do but it. But I could also see I could also see Shaden Sharp dropping to like he could drop to San Antonio. 15. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> yeah, he, could, he could go all over. I bet I like I think I think he if he were to drop, he'd go like ten to New Orleans. If you know, like if that's the case, I feel like New Orleans would be like, oh, I'll get him on the sneaky sneak and. Have him sit behind CJ McCollum. Sneak? Is yeah, that, is that a? Yeah, it's I a like thing. That phrase. <laughs> like I, I, they could just. I mean, New Orleans was right there in the play-in game, right? So, I mean, I, I could definitely see them taking. Uh, are they? They made it to the playoffs. Shoot. I was gonna say, yeah, they. Yeah, so they, they. Was... I mean, they were they were CJ McCollum having like a terrible series away from, you know, being like. Can, you know, like a, also just not a, having to play the Suns. Yeah, like you're running into you know a finals runner up team right there that didn't have like any offseason moves. So that's Clearly tough. the best team in the or in the NBA. That's what uh, UNC fans would want you to believe, huh? What that if you if you're a runner up for the championship that you're gonna re- and you return everybody, you're the exact same team. Mm-hmm. Except for they're not returning Brady Manic, so. What are we doing here? If they're not returning the guy that made they're them, get Matthew Mayer, and he's going to be an upgrade. Yeah, that would be an upgrade defensively, offensively. Well, I don't know about offensively. Brady Manick's a really like really good shooter. Uh, loved watching him play. Oh, did you finish Winning Time on HBO? I have watched all of ten seconds of it, and it was only to prove a point to my stepdad that because uh, he was saying that he didn't like it, that they were kind of like hiding behind the whole, like, it's a drama thing yeah. for them making Jerry West look like an absolute, like, alcoholic idiot. Uh, and anybody who, like, complains about it, like, read the book. Also, like... <laughs> which it definitely... It definitely... It's a dramatization. I can tell, it, it definitely plays up yeah. the stuff that he does. Um... But he was like, oh, they, they're hiding behind that, and that Jerry West couldn't sue them for it. And I was like, but he could. Like, one, you can sue anyone for anything, pretty much. Doesn't mean yeah. you win, but you can do it. Um, but so I have watched enough to see the disclaimer at the beginning to prove that they had a disclaimer at the beginning. Yeah, and that's they do it after every uh, episode, too. They said that the, all the events in this episode were a dramatization and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I mean, like it's definitely not perfect, but it's it's entertaining. It's not. It's also not meant to be. So. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not a documentary. It's a dramatization of a show. You know, they have it breaks the fourth wall and all that. It's really fun. But anyways, um, I was so like I was so interested in it. I got the book and I've been reading 
Um, I've been reading the the book that it's based on, which is Showtime by Jeff Perlman. And it was very, it's, it's really enjoyable. Um, but they talk about, they, you know, they dive more into each player. They talk, and so they brought up Byron Scott. Do you know what school Byron Scott went to? Did he go to UNC? No, he went to Arizona State, which had me thinking, like, Arizona State, like, you could pull up their, you know, their, their, best players of all time and it's not a bad not a bad team at all um and and so while we're doing this as we've been talking about the off season for um each team in the top 25 and so this week we're talking about uh usc trojans i think it'd be fun to talk about like like let's throw in a wrinkle and say like who's the best use the starting five all time of the usc trojans and we kind of go through there i like that um so for the listeners we're recording on Tuesday night. Um, the uh, the guest that we have talk about US, uh, USC is uh, what's the account's name? Shoot, drawing a blank here. I'm pulling it up, but we have Oklahoma a guest State, to talk about it. Right? Um, Sports Pack Twelve. So ah, here we go. Sports Pack Twelve on Twitter. They have like thirteen thousand followers, and we have um, their guy Dane Miller, who is specializes in UNC or USC talk. He's gonna he's gonna break down their roster needs because he's gonna know their roster more than we will. Um, so what I wanted to do since I won't be available for that, Dow's gonna interview him tomorrow night. So on Wednesday night, uh, for your listen, this is probably what Thursday morning. Um, what we're gonna do now before before we head out is look through their best uh, their all time lineup and name our their all time lineup for that. So Dow. Recency bias will have us put Evan Mobley, right? Does he stick? Um, yeah, I'm going through real quick. I think he still has to be. It's tough. They have some good yeah, players. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's the five. You think he beats out, um, Nikola Vucevic or Brian Scalabrini? Come on, man. I was going to say Brian Scalabrini at the four. Also, have you seen the Scalinge stuff that he does? No. He will, like, people will, he'll contact people that call him out and say that they can beat him one-on-one, and he just takes him to school. It's called the Scalinge. And his his best quote, obviously, is that I'm closer than LeBron James than you are to me. Or something like, yeah. Which is, dude, he's good. And... Looks incredibly normal. His also, he was one of my favorite uh, for a while. I played the what's the like my team on yeah 2K, and his card was always one of my favorites. He was he was dirty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's go. Evan Mobley with the five, Scalabrini at the four. Are we good with that? Taj uh, Gibson. Taj Gibson. I'm gonna go Taj Gibson at the four. I think he had a longer career. Are we talking about like their just overall success, or are we talking about while they were in college? Because I couldn't tell you anything about these guys. While oh, they were in I would think we do overall career. Yeah, let's, I say overall career. I took that's why I go Taj Gibson at the four because Brian Scalabrini is only known because he is a walking meme. <laughs> He's just sure. Big that's fair. All right, we'll go Taj Gibson at the four. Uh, who we got at the three? Uh, it's tough. Um, so it depends on one OJ of the Mayo? people. Let's I'm see down more with OJ Mayo. I'm more of a guard. 
Uh, let's put him at the two. That's See, I have putting him DeMar DeRozan at the two. Yep, that's the correct answer. Yeah. I, so he's DeMar DeRozan's bigger than OJ Mayo. Let's put him at the DeMar three. DeRozan at the three. OJ, OJ Mayo at two. It's pretty good. The OJ Mayo, if anyone hasn't seen this video, go look up OJ Mayo's final game in high school. One, OJ Mayo played with Patrick Patterson, and they played in rural West Virginia, and they just ran teams out of the gym because yeah. they were so good. But in his final game, OJ Mayo did an off-the-backboard alley-oop to himself, dunked it in the state championship, and proceeded to throw the basketball into the into the crowd, get teed up and ejected, and then took his shirt off and his shoes and threw those into the crowd and walked off. That was his final game in high school, which is insane. It is, yeah. I don't. All right, cool. I, I'm cool with them there. Uh, this is also this, like just going off recency bias to our listeners. Like, honestly, like it's so tough. You could almost put OJ Mayo as a point guard if you wanted to. I mean, yeah, point guard is definitely the the. Oh, they have Swaggy P too. Yeah, I, I was gonna that. say let's put let's put Nick Young at the two <laughs> and OJ Mayo at the one. <laughs> Swaggy P. Because, like, some of these names I've never heard of, if I'm going to be honest with you. Like, Cliff Robinson, he was there from 77 to 79. So, like, older player, West Westfall, was there from 69 to 72. But he's listed, like, on this website, uh, he's listed as the third best player in USC history. So, it it's tough because we're only going off our knowledge of the game. So, like, we're saying, yeah. like, the, play, like, the 12, recency 12 bias. Years in the league. Yeah. So it, it's tough. It's, this is a tough thing. It's definitely not like the most perfect list, but this is the beers and buckets all time USC. Uh, Harold Miner was pretty good for his little stint in the league. Yeah. So who's our six man? Brian Scalabrini. I'm down with or Vucevic. Him. Se- seventh man. Ooh, seventh man Vuce, and then. Uh, We'll throw Kevin Porter Jr. and oh yeah, uh, I in the backcourt. I like it. I like it. Well, this has been fun. This has been a fun addition to beers and buckets off season for sure. So, all right. Well, so now we're gonna jump into our our interview with sports with Dane with sports uh, Pac twelve. Dow's gonna handle it from here on out. Uh, but we appreciate you guys listening. So yeah, definitely check this out. Recommendation. Uh, I can do a recommendation. I don't really drink anymore. So. All right. Word. Okay. Um. Cool. Well, I'll give Connor a little intro. Um. Uh, I don't know. He's the one that usually does this, so I forgot that I would have to do it. Um. All right, three, two, one. All right, we're here with Dane Miller of, is it Sports Pack 12? Is that what it's called? Yes, it is. Yeah, Sports Pack 12. Uh, to talk uh, Pack 12 basketball, might touch a little bit on USC, um, but I'll let Dane introduce himself, uh, kind of tell us how you got into into to writing and, and talking about the, the Pack 12, uh, and then we can into the interview yeah so um really i started with this sports pack 12 stuff 
from Twitter, where I guess all modern dreams start. And um, the <laughs> yep. publisher, the the publisher just put out a tweet asking for people to apply for an internship to you know talk about I guess it was football at the time, and I I applied and uh, he let me do it. I started off covering Arizona and then sort of expanded into Pac-12 basketball later that year. And in the following years since, I've been covering uh, Pac-12 football and Pac-12 basketball as like the beat writer, um, previewing every game and giving power rankings every week. Nice. Uh, do you, uh, so I know that you, you know, you talk to parents, they don't have a favorite child, but everyone kind of has a favorite child. I say this not having children myself, but uh, do you have a favorite between basketball and football? Yeah, I definitely prefer basketball. Uh, I mean, I love football. That's a good too. answer it's for great. a basketball podcast. Yeah, definitely. I mean, ba- football is fun. Don't get me wrong, but uh, college basketball is where it's at. We're we're a little biased on this podcast, but we agree. We agree with that one hundred percent. Sure. So you, we were talking before, and you said you went to Arizona. Um, so did you? Did you grow up an Arizona fan? Like, was that where you wanted to go uh, from the start? And who, I assume Arizona State, but like kind of who are the who are the teams that you grew up rooting against that you now have to to write about? Um, kind of covering yeah, the conference um, as a whole. Right, yeah. No, I, I grew up in Tucson. I was born and raised in Tucson, Arizona, which is where uh, the University of Arizona is located. And uh, my dad went there, and so I was always brought up uh, watching Arizona basketball and sort of my perspective of the entire world, essentially, revolved around uh, U of A and and all they were doing with their teams and stuff. And so naturally, um, you're taught to dislike Arizona State and UCLA, uh, things like that. And so, you know, over time, it kind of just uh, grew into – who I am today and all my knowledge from college basketball essentially derives from watching Arizona in the early nineties, early two thousands, all the way up to the present day. So that's just, that's my story. <laughs> not a, not a bad, not a bad upbringing for, uh, in terms of a team to cheer for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of getting into getting into the PAC 12 kind of as it sits now, What's kind of the state of the Pac-12 as a whole? I know that conference realignment has been kind of crazy. It hasn't probably affected the Pac-12 as much as it has the the Big 12 um, or a couple of the other kind of more group of five schools uh, or conferences. But kind of where does the Pac-12 sit, um, just kind of both in general and then kind of focusing more specifically on basketball? Well, I'd say it's mixed. Um, when it comes to the Olympic sports, the Pac-12 crushes it. I mean, they're the best in the country at the Olympic sports, and that's where most of the national championships are um, produced from the Pac-12, the Olympic sports. Just for example, this year alone, Pac-12 has five national championships, beach volleyball, women's water polo, men's gymnastics, men's swimming and diving, and skiing. And that's just in 2022. Uh, the current number of national championships in the Pac-12 is at 543. So from an Olympic sports standpoint, 
It's excellent. It's probably the best conference in America when it comes to that. But for the revenue generating sports like football and to a lesser extent basketball, it's pretty yeah. much lagging. It's lagging behind in football. And so the revenues, you know, <laughs> I mean, there hasn't been a Pac-12 team in the playoffs since I think it was 2016 with Washington. Um, so that's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of money to miss out on for the, the playoff and the revenue sharing that comes with those TV deals. And a lot of the problems, I think, can be pointed towards the administration of the Pac-12, uh, particularly through the Pac-12 network. It's not available on DirecTV, which is a huge uh, revenue miss. They're not getting money from DirecTV, yeah. and it's only on Dish Network and some other channels. It's also not on, like, YouTube TV or any of the streaming places. So that's a whole bunch of money that the conference is, is missing, and it's really damaging um to all the schools i think particularly in recruiting um but teams like oregon and, and utah in football are doing great it's really top heavy like that and in basketball uh there's really a big four it's oregon ucla arizona and usc and th those teams really carry the conference when it comes to basketball and in this season and the, the uh, NCAA tournament is a bit of a letdown with UCLA and Arizona losing in the Sweet 16 and USC dropping out in the first round against Miami. So, But the year before that, the Pac-12 had three teams in the lead eight. Oregon State did that magical run, uh, USC, and then UCLA, which also made the final four. So it's, it's a mixed bag. It's up and down. I mean, we'll see how it turns out this season. Really, you want the football to be good because that generates so much revenue helps everything out, but that's been gone for six years since the last playoff uh, appearance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the sec will probably always be a football conference, but I know that the, the money they've generated from on the football side has definitely allowed athletic departments to invest in more, facility upgrades, coaching upgrades, like just kind of across the board has really allowed them to invest more on the basketball side, which has definitely improved the the quality of just the kind of overall SEC basketball product uh, being the the conference that I follow the most. Um, so, yeah, it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to see kind of as that stuff shakes out um, what what becomes of revenue side um you mentioning oregon state uh last year making their kind of cinderella run they ended up playing so i graduated from wake forest we ended up scheduling oregon state thinking that they would be a really like a potential for a quality win and they ended up being absolutely terrible this year did they end up going defeated in conference play or did they sneak out a win at the very end yeah, you know, that is a good question. I don't remember. I don't think they did. I think they had three oh, no. wins. Yeah, three wins. One of them was against Utah. So they, they won their third conference game and then went defeated after that. Um, kind of That's maybe not to the extent that, that Oregon State kind of had the drop after going 20 and 13 the year before and then dropping to three and 28 this year. But kind of if you had to look at the standings from the Pac-12 last year and kind of predict one of those top teams to fall down the down the the totem pole, who would you kind of expect to see uh, drop off the most? Well, it's certainly in, not going to. In 2023. 
Yeah, it's certainly not going to be UCLA. It won't be Oregon. I doubt, I highly doubt it'll be Arizona. So that really leaves USC as kind of the odd man out. And uh, it's it's comes down to the number of players that they lost. I mean, Isaiah Mobley is going to the NBA. Um, and even players that are expected to return haven't announced yet. There's Drew Peterson, uh, who's the key guard for them, and Boogie Ellis are both yep. got their names in the NBA draft right now. They're, I think they're expected to come back to school. But um, and you have players like Ethan Anderson and Max Agbogpolo transfer out to Wyoming. So it's a lot of experience that they're losing from that team that made the Elite Eight a couple seasons ago and the fact that they – they have a they have a great freshman class coming in. Um, they have it's number one in the Pac-12. It's number nine in the country. But when you have to rely nice. on freshmen, yeah, when you have to rely on freshmen like that, it's um, you know who knows how it'll really turn out. If the freshmen hit and they're good, USC will not miss a beat. But if those freshmen aren't producing, and especially in the beginning, early part of the non-conference season. Uh, it's going to be tough for them to maintain. But I think Andy Enfield has done a great job. He's going to continue to do well at USC. Recruiting has been, uh, I think you could say, at an all-time high for them. They just keep pulling in five stars and high four stars, uh, particularly from California. So if there is going to be a team that falls off uh, from the top there, it's USC. Uh, you might also consider Colorado, depending on what happens with Jabari Walker. If he stays in the NBA draft, which I think he will. Uh, I have a bit of questions about Colorado, but Tad Boyle is a great coach. X's and O's, really good, and they have a great uh, home court advantage. So uh, if it comes down to it, I'd, I'd probably say USC. So kind of um, with that, if USC is dropping out, who's kind of one of those teams that you expect to bounce back and maybe take their spot that was in the, the bottom half of the, the Pac-12 this year? Well, the difference between the top of the Pac-12 and the middle to lower part of the Pac-12 is dramatic. So I don't know if anybody would really take USC's position in the event that USC kind of falters this season. But I do expect improvement from Arizona State. Uh, they had a really bad year last year. I think Bobby Hurley is doing a great job in the transfer portal, addressing needs in the front court. Um, I have questions about their backcourt, but I think he really upgraded the front court and I mean, Arizona State kind of was, you know, they had really good non-conference seasons a few years back, and they, would, I mean, they beat number one Kansas at home one time. Um, and, and then they've kind of fallen off since. They haven't really done as much as expected. They had Josh Christopher, who was the lottery pick uh, a couple seasons ago. And then this last yep. season that, that just happened, uh, Hurley built his roster around mid-major scoring guards. And so he – he, he built his roster with a bunch of good mid-major players and they just didn't mesh well and, and they were undersized and they just got bullied in the paint all season long. And so that's why he's looked through the transfer portal to get uh, bigs. And I think he did a good job getting some guys out of Nevada, Auburn, and uh, I think they got at least one uh, freshman coming in that's tall as well. Nice. Yeah. Look at their, look at their roster. Their most used lineup was, Went six one six one six three six 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 nine, which especially when you're going up against teams like Arizona that have the twin towers there with Coloco and uh, um, Balo. Ah, shoot, what's the other guy's name? Umar Balo and Tabulas. Yeah, and and Balo, like you, you, you need size to 
to go up against the front courts like that. So, um, no, that'll be cool though. I Arizona State's always a is a team that we're kind of as a Kentucky fan predisposed to, well, Kentucky and a Wake fan for that matter, uh, predisposed to dislike Bobby Hurley. But I think that he actually does a pretty good job as a coach, uh, and they actually signed. Um, Joel Justice, who was an assistant at, at Kentucky before last year, that uh, was kind of one of their young guys' lead recruiter, uh, is is there as well. So that's a that's a program that even being on the East Coast, I, I like to keep an eye on just because there are a couple couple connections there. Yeah, it's definitely a name brand. It's easy to recognize Arizona State, the colors, the logo in a city like Phoenix, which is one of the biggest metropolitans in the country you should have a good football and basketball team every year at a program like that. I think Bobby Hurley is slowly but surely building it up and we'll see how he does this season. I think it's a big year for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of switching gears a little bit, but still staying on the Pac-12. If you could make one change to the Pac-12, be it, I have a feeling that it might end up being getting them on all of the the TV platforms that you talked about that they are kind of missing from a Pac-12 network, network perspective. But if you can make one change to the Pac-12 to make it more competitive with the, the other Power 5 conferences, um, what would that be? It can be basketball related or just kind of in general. Yeah, I'll stick to basketball, and uh, obviously the distribution problems of the Pac-12 network are big, but I think even more important, or just as important, is the officiating in the conference. It's um, it's ticky-tack, you get weak calls, it's inconsistent, it's poor officiating in almost every single game, it's atrocious, and they need to improve that. And I think this is how I think it really improves the conference. If you let the players play more, and you don't have as many ticky-tack calls, it allows them, once they get to the NCAA tournament, to be used to how it's officiated in the tournament. And so if you see, like, right. over the years, the Pac-12, you get into the NCAA tournament, calls you're getting all season long, you're no longer getting. It's a much more physical game because it's officiated differently, and a Pac-12 just looks out of sorts against that type of uh, bullying ball type of plays where it's just like normally you're watching a Pac-12 and you're like, that's a foul. Right, that's a foul, and they're not calling yeah. it. And the whole game, whole game is officiated like that in the tournament, and you know, inevitably, uh, the Pac-12 team loses. So, and that comes down to how it's officiated during the season in conference, and it really needs to be improved and less ticky-tack calls. That's really important. Just like let the guys play so that they can be prepared for the postseason when it comes. That's my main. That's a lot of people's main gripes, and you can apply that to football too. Yeah, I mean, that's – I don't think that the Pac-12 is alone in the the complaints about officiating, but I hadn't really ever thought about the fact that that the the way it's officiated would impact tournament success. Uh, but kind of thinking on that line, like the SEC is a super physical league. It is a lot of times kind of even over-indexed to build on guys that are freak athletes more than – like skilled basketball players, but that means that a lot of times once they get to tournament play, they're ready for that kind of the, the ability to be more physical and and play that 
played to the way the refs are calling the game, um, it definitely does kind of help them sometimes. Uh, like now that you say that, so I, I I think the officiating problem is is definitely not just a, a Pac-12 issue, but especially like you said with the tournament success, it could be something that if we did get officiating fixed and have it more standardized and consistent across um, not just conferences, but kind of the game as a whole uh, that might benefit the Pac-12 a little bit more than, than other conferences. Yeah, definitely. Especially a team like Arizona or USC where they have bigs. And so when you go up against another team with bigs and they're not used to how it's physical, how physical the game is and they're not getting the same calls they normally get, it just, it's really has a negative effect. And it, it turns the Pac-12 into more of a finesse league and I guess perceived as um, uh, I guess weak from from the outside. Yeah, no, that's it's it's definitely frustrating whenever, uh, especially just because, I mean, officials have impact on the game across the board, but I feel like that in college basketball, it's especially bad with it being two halves instead of four quarters. So getting into the bonus is much more important because you stay in the bonus longer than you would if, well, theoretically you stay in the bonus longer than you would if there were four quarters. Um, so they, they definitely have a, a bigger impact than, than officials do kind of on average um, in, in other sports. Yeah, it is what it is. You just got to get over it and play through it. But that, that'd be the one thing that I, I would fix if I could have a magic wand and fix anything. Well, while you while you were waving that magic wand, the rest of college basketball, I'm sure, would, would appreciate a, a little <laughs> yep. bit of love their way on the officiating as well. Um, <laughs> For sure. Kind of going more more theoretical since you've been covering the the Pac-12 or even kind of you can go back to just since you've been a fan of a Pac-12 team pretty much your entire life what's your kind of your all Pac-12 team if you're going to create a a starting five and you can I'll give you one or two bench players as well if you want to um just not even like who would the best players be just like who are your favorite players to watch kind of growing up as you've been covering the league, um, this is always this is always fun to see kind of who the style of play that our, our guests like that kind of thing. Uh, so who's your who's your all Pac-12 team since you've been covering or watching? Yes, yeah, so I'll limit it to since I started with Sports Pac-12, which was in 2019, okay. um, and definitely I think my number one guy was Onyeka Okongwu with USC a few years back. The guy just dominated in the paint. Big, you know, would finish around the rim, uh, would slam it home, wasn't, you know, a pushover, was aggressive, great dunks. Just um, he, I think he's probably up there over the last three years. And he, I think he was a lottery pick. Um, was by he's maybe yeah, six. Yeah, the Hawks. Yeah, um, I really like the way he played at USC. Um, and then sticking with USC, I think Evan Mobley has to be mentioned. Just his skill level was just outstanding. Uh, for a guy that size, he was very mobile. He was quick, defends well, has great uh, anticipation when it comes to uh, blocking shots. Defense intensity was high. He's uh, he's a really good player. He's going to be great in the NBA. I know he had a good first year, so uh, you got to mention Evan Mobley over the past three years. 
and then uh, Chris Duarte is another big one, I think, the guard from Oregon. Um, okay. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he just, God, that guy just scored. And in clutch moments, he would just get it done. And so um, I think you have to mention him um, when thinking about the last three years. Uh, I also got um, Jaden McDaniels. He was at UW for one season. Um, God, he didn't really have that great of a college career. He kind of, he was a little bit of an underperformance over his one season there, but I think uh, he, he's got to be on my list too. And then rounding it out, uh, this season, Benedict Matherin from Arizona, just the guy could just go off in any game, any time. He's clutch. He had that huge shot on um, the second round of the NCAA tournament against TCU. And, I mean, the guy can go for 30 any given night. And if he's not scoring 30, he's still contributing. He's not pouting on the offensive side of the ball. He'll, 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 he's a willing passer and just a you know, good ball handler. So got to throw Matherin in there. Yeah, you, you had to get a you had to get an Arizona player in there. Um, oh, oh yeah, we, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> we actually earlier in the in the episode, I assume it'll be earlier. Uh, we did a a quick mock uh, lottery draft. Did a did a randomized order. The Oklahoma City Thunder actually ended up getting the first and third picks, which would be highly unlikely. But we had uh, Ben Matherin going six to the Magic. Uh, I, I love his game. I think, like you said, kind of even when he's not affecting the game on the offensive end, he is is still super active on the defensive end, getting rebounds, and is still able to to work within the offense even if he's not putting the ball in the basket. So I think that's a that's a pretty solid that's a pretty solid uh, pretty solid five. I think that it as like you said, the the Pac twelve uh, hasn't exactly been on the same level. Uh, as a conference with the other with the other power five leagues, but in terms of just individual talents, you can build. I mean that that five of um, your your guys over the last couple of years would be able to to compete with any all conference team you're going to be making from any other league, which is a nice thing to see. Yeah, definitely. The Pac-12, I think, when it comes to current players on NBA rosters, is third behind the SEC and probably the ACC, but it's above the Big Ten, um, the Big East, and um, maybe the SEC, or, or otherwise the SEC is higher. I don't exactly remember, but there's a lot of players that come through the Pac-12 that end up in the NBA on rosters and, and have great careers, so it's... Uh, it's, it's just unfortunate that they can't really put it together while at school uh, from a team point, you know, from a team standpoint, but definitely a lot of good individual players come through the Pac-12. Absolutely. I mean, the, the amount of talent that comes up in high school uh, on the West Coast, especially in California, is is enough to, to produce a ton of high, like, uh, high-level prospects on the, on the high school side that, I mean, they – do a pretty good job in college and, and beyond. Um, I think that yeah. pretty much exhausts the, the, the questions I had on back 12. Do you have anything else that you've been like working on in terms of uh, basketball coverage or just in general that you would like to plug? 
Well, we're going to be dropping, we're really transitioning to football right now. So we're going to be dropping my power ranking uh, for post-spring, ranking all 12 Pac-12 teams. Those are always great. The controversial people always hit me in the mentions on the Twitter with their displeasure about my picks. And uh, I definitely been thinking about how I'm going to rank them. And I got some, I got some definitely controversial ones. So we'll see um, how that goes down. But then also for the lead up to football, I preview all 12 Pac-12 teams. Uh, I go in depth on each one and those will come out over the next 12-ish weeks leading up to week zero. And then I'll be covering the beat. I'll be previewing each game of the college football season for the Pac-12 and uh, producing a power ranking each week where we uh, reevaluate the teams and, and then rank them how they, how they stand um, right now. Obviously, everything goes through Utah, uh, king of the Pac-12 right now, and then second is Oregon. And then the rest of the Pac-12 is a couple, uh, I want to say a couple miles behind them, but uh, USC might have some for them this year. I was going to say, Lincoln Riley and their $3 million uh, deals that they're offering Jordan Addison might be might have something to say about the, the Utah love there. Yeah, the issue with USC, I think, is the, uh, the offensive line. It's, I mean, really in the Pac-12, it's the, the Ducks and the Utes have distinguished themselves by having, um, you know, really good offensive lines. And that's really the difference. And until, yep. until that's addressed, that USC, you can have all the skill players you want. But if you're getting your quarterback rushed and injured, you know, that's, that's the end of your season. So. Yeah, you can just look at Florida State to to get an example of you can have all the talent at the skill positions that you that you can that you can ask for, but if you don't have the line play to to protect your quarterback and kind of get those skill positions working, it doesn't it doesn't do much good. Um, but no, that's that's super exciting. Uh, excited to one to get out to the West coast when I moved to San Diego uh, at some point soon. So I can be a little bit more in tune, both from a geography perspective, but also a time zone perspective to be able to, to catch some, some more Pac-12 games because it's just tough to, to stay up for those, for those late Pac-12 after dark games on the, on the East coast, but they won't be after dark uh, once I am out on the West coast. So excited to do that and to, to get more involved on the Pac-12 side, following your work and everything that you are doing at, uh, at Sports Pac-12. So um, we'll kind of go with our our last question here. Actually, well, so where where can we follow you and uh, Sports Pac-12 on Twitter first before we get to kind of the final question? Okay, yeah. So uh, Sports Pac-12 is at Sports Pac-12. Uh, no hyphens, no spaces. So just sports pack 12 um our publisher tweets a bunch of good stats daily and it's sort of like a, a compilation of stories uh from different websites that he produces in one tweet with links to so you can really follow the news in the pack nice. 12 just just by following that twitter account and clicking on those stories for me it's at dane miller and then underscore sp12 uh, and that's where you can find me on Twitter if you want to if you want to tweet at me how you think my my picks and my rankings suck or whatever. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm really looking forward. You're gonna love living in San Diego, by the way. And you'll get you'll get used to the the start times. Um, 
Real quick, you'll notice that the games start earlier, which is actually awesome. You can wake up at like 9 a.m. and watch, you know, Big Noon or whatever they call it on Fox. So it'll be good. You'll like it. Yeah. Now the my my work productivity will probably take a hit in the in the afternoon as I start to get games that come on. Yeah, like three or four, and I uh, I still have work to do, but. But no, that'll be that'll be fun, and yeah. So everyone, well, I'm sure we'll tweet out the put out your your handle and Sportsback Twelve in the in the tweet for this uh, for this episode. So we'll be on the lookout there. We'll try and try and get you as as many new followers as possible. Um, kind of one of the things that we've been starting to ask our guests uh, as we as we close up interviews is kind of outside of what you do. Do you have any any um, podcasts, any Twitter follows, any books, any movies, just any kind of just like a couple of pieces of content that you have really enjoyed. Um, I know last last week we had a, a person that does he does um, UK, mostly Kentucky and Louisville stuff, but just has a, a pretty sweet stats page uh, it's at Hoops Insight on Twitter. And he gave us a couple basketball podcasts. And a couple of just like random books that he had been reading. Uh, so, do you have any any content that you've been kind of consuming over the last um, little bit that you that you especially enjoy? Um, yeah, I have a couple of good Twitter accounts that I follow for for basketball, um, and they're based on each school in the Pac-12. So, for Utah, a really good one is uh, at Running Hoops. He runs a podcast and he does a bunch of good stuff for Utah. Uh, for California, uh, over there in Berkeley, uh, at Golden Bear Wire, uh, he does a good job with the Cal stuff. It's really interesting to see the school's perspective of their coaches and teams and the expectations for the season. Those are two good ones for Utah and California. Um, for Arizona, you always got to follow Jason Shear with Wildcat Authority. He's basically the source of everything when it comes to Arizona basketball. Um and yeah, there's a couple other guys. Uh, Husky is a good one for a U-Dub at Hood Husky. Uh, and there's a couple others, but I, I can't really think of them off the top of my head. But if you go, if you look on my Twitter page and who I follow, you can really find a bunch of good um, good blogs and good websites for each Pac-12 school. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to check that out. Um, I appreciate it, man. Uh, any any final words before we before we wrap it up? Uh, nothing other than we can't wait for football to start. The off season is so long and it's just like, we got a couple more months until football starts and like five until basketball comes back. So in the meantime, I'm just watching a lot of formula one and hoping that the days go by quicker. (laughs) Who's your, who's your F1 driver? Oh, uh, driver wise. Well, I'm a Haas fan, so I only cheer for Haas. I don't really care what else happens. Okay. Drivers. I like Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc and Pierre Gasly. Nice. Nice. I, uh, a couple, couple years ago, my friends, uh, made me watch drive to survive and we've been, we've been big into, uh, into F1 since then. So. Oh yeah, dude, it's a lot of fun. I love the F one races. I'm like I'm a die I'm a diehard. I watch every practice, qualifying and the race. And so like and I've been watching I've been doing this for like four years straight, so it's awesome. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, uh 
Well, look forward to, to seeing all your work on the on the football side, and then we'll obviously get into basketball. We'll have to have you back on uh, at some point during the basketball season, either before or during, to to kind of check in on, on the Pac-12, check in on Arizona, see how they're doing. Um, but I really appreciate you appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate coming here, representing Sports Pac-12. It's always an honor and a privilege. And yeah, whenever you guys want some Pac-12 perspective of both, you know, basketball or football too, uh, hit me up. I can do this anytime. Perfect. I appreciate it, Dane. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. All right. Thanks, guys. This has been a long episode. I know it's crazy. Probably a lot of scrambling or rambling, not scrambling, and scrambling, too. We were looking up different <laughs> rosters and stuff, a little bit of both. But it's been fun. I had, I had a great time. I thought it was enjoyable. We'll definitely be back next week. And uh, if you have any other teams, so like we did the Magic versus the Cavs, if you have any other all-time teams that you want us to discuss and, and you want to hear more about what we think, which I don't know why you would want to listen to our opinions, but here you are week after week. Uh, we would love to discuss that. So give us suggestions, give us teams to talk about. And also uh, we should be here soon. We should be talking. Like, I think I'm, I'm trying to work it out where we can have uh, somebody who's more knowledgeable in the NBA than Dal and I combined to talk about this upcoming draft. And we will, uh, we'll, we'll show them. No one knows roster. more than we do. On yeah. Anything. We're the smartest, smartest basketball minds alive. Uh, exactly. But we'll talk about our, our picks and see if they, you know, if they kind of line up and people see that. Cause I know like with the NBA talk, there's still like G league people and overseas people that we didn't really mention. Cause we definitely have more of a knowledge of the college game than we do, you know, outside like the other, the other pool of players that there's to choose from. Right. So I, I'd be curious to see how it differs with other people um, that have that watch more NBA and just when they come to the draft, they focus more on, just all players in general, not just, not just college. So we'll see. So, Dal, do you have anything you want to share with us before we close out, bud? Um, I think the Heat Sixers series right now is just the classic. It's good when you make shots. It's not good when you don't make shots series. Everyone thought this, the Heat were going to wash them in the first two games when the Heat were hot and the Sixers couldn't hit a shot. Then Joel Embiid comes back, and the Sixers decided to shoot like over 40% from three while the Heat shot record lows. Now the Heat came back in game five and beat the absolute like crap out of them. And a lot of it was because the Sixers couldn't buy a shot and the Heat were un- unconscious. So uh, just remember that the best offense in basketball is hitting shots and it cures, it cures all things. It it really does. Your offense looks a lot better whenever the ball goes in the basket. It's a fact. It's a straight up fact. So, um, um, as I'm watching this, uh, Dorian Finney Smith had that flagrant foul. Phoenix is up 68 50. Kind of the same thing. It's like Phoenix is very good. Dallas is not that bad of a team. It's just Phoenix is hitting shots. Dallas isn't. So, uh, Offenses look better when they're making shots. And so keep that in mind as we go, as we continue in this offseason. You know, like Kentucky fans, our offense wasn't as terrible when we were making shots, when we weren't injured. So I'm just so tired of all the cows got to fix this stuff. He did fix it, guys. He did. He just ran into a string of bad luck. So he'll prove him wrong. 
we don't need to get in that anymore. And uh, yeah, let's have fun. Enjoy, enjoy this uh, NBA playoffs. Enjoy the NHL playoffs. Uh, my Lightning lost tonight, so that sucked. But don't really care about hockey at all. So if they lose, they lose. It's whatever. If they if they three peat, then I'm gonna be you know very happy about it. So, all right, guys, you guys take care. Have a great week, Dow. Thank you again for doing the uh, interview with Dane, and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing it, man. Of course.